Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an SB Nation blog covering the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined by Pale Dragon and Eric Seeds. What's up, guys? Hey, Will. Hey, guys. How's it going? Long time no see. Yeah, I was trying to remember the last time you were on. It's been it's been at least a few weeks. It's it's. I don't know if I've been on since Warinsky resigned, but it feels like it's been about that long. <laughs> yeah, that was that seems like forever ago at this point. Yeah, it's it's Labor Day weekend. You guys got any plans? Um, I stayed up and watched a terrible football game last night, and then um, <laughs> it's about it. That, that Georgia-Clemson game was god-awful. You know what was really cool about that? Clemson lost. Well, yeah, but what was really cool was on the ESPN SkyCast, there was no broadcasting, so it was just the stadium sounds. That was really cool. Oh, nice. I have to say, from watching the college football this weekend, that it feels so good to see full stadiums again for college football because the the joy of the game is so much about the the atmosphere and the pageantry and so having games last season in front of you know no crowds whatsoever um you know it's just not the same and, and so it's good to see things back the way they should be um like you know ohio state playing at minnesota you know you got to give credit to to minnesota's fans because that place looked like it was rocking um, and that certainly made the game more difficult for Ohio State. So, yeah, I was watching a lot of football yesterday. Um, I'm getting ready to watch the Notre Dame game tonight. I've got some friends coming over. I've got some uh, chuck roast uh, in the oven now. It's going to spend about five hours in there. It was marinating overnight in Guinness and some other stuff. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So I've, I've been cooking up a feast here the last two days. There you go. I made uh, I made beer batter chicken Friday night for the Michigan State uh, Northwestern game and then wa- and uh, watched North Carolina lose to Virginia Tech, um, which made it all the better yesterday. Uh, Saturday afternoon, I played golf with a big Virginia Tech fan, so he was in a really good mood all day. So it was a good – it's been a nice weekend to just relax and watch some college football, hung out with my dad the last couple mornings, so – it's been a good time, and then tomorrow I get to do all the normal Sunday stuff, you know, cook, clean, and do laundry. Yeah, I'm going to go to Cooperstown this week, so I am psyched for that. I am set to go. Yeah, I'm finally going to get to the Baseball <laughs> Hall of Fame, so I am I am psyched. Nice. That'll be fun. 
Yeah, looking forward to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Finally going to get there. So, lots of hockey news to get into. The NHL and the NHL Players Association have finalized the COVID-19 protocols for the upcoming 21-22 season. I'll just list the, some of the key takeaways from this, and then we got you guys can dive deeper. But basically, teams will be able to suspend unvaccinated players who, quote, are unable to participate in club activities and quote situations such as uh, players not being able to travel because of lo- local provincial state and or federal regulations upon return uh, individuals can forfeit the equivalent of one day's pay for each day that they are not able to participate. There are religious and medical exemptions that players could, if they were trying not to take the or get vaccinated, there could be, exemptions around that but otherwise players can opt out by october 1st if they don't want to play uh positive cases will be treated as hockey related injury per the cba uh unvaccinated players of course will have stricter rules such as not being able to go out in the cities that they're visiting and uh unvaccinated players who are not exempt and fail to comply will lose pay so pd uh i think in general the main thing is Hopefully, these regulations will help the league going forward for this upcoming season. All the games will be able to play out, hopefully according to plan, and kind of limit any disaster from the COVID side of things. Yeah, hopefully things can can unfold um, more smoothly this year than they did last year. And one thing that stands out to me about the rules, which I, and I think the rules all look very sound, like it, it's the responsible way to to handle things and. The league and the players' association couldn't go so far as to mandate vaccines, but you see that in order to be safe, there are a lot of restrictions that would have to be on unvaccinated players, including you know up to you know not being able to travel to Canada, you know, so they'd be unavailable for for those games. Um, and I think what the effect you're seeing though of the harsh rules in that case is that players realize that it is a you know, it's a disadvantage to not be vaccinated. It's a competitive disadvantage. It's uncomfortable on road trips to basically be stuck to your hotel room. Can't even <laughs> go down to a restaurant to pick up food if there's other people there. That that sort of thing. Um, and so, as a result, I think we're seeing a big uptick in the number of players vaccinated. Uh, this week, Michael Russo of the Athletic reported that his sources say that it's up to ninety five percent of NHL players that are fully vaccinated, which is fantastic news. So uh, hopefully that number will continue to go up as we get closer to the start of training camp here in a few weeks. Again, I think some players were holdouts, but maybe have realized that the season's coming up and if they want to be able to have full access to everything and go about things as normally as they can, it's going to require them getting vaccinated. Uh, I know a few weeks ago there was some reporting uh, at The Athletic that quoted some players who had been vaccine hesitant and basically said, oh, I don't like it, but, <laughs> you know, oh, I want to do what's best for the team and I don't want to go through these restrictions. And so I'm just going to do it. Um, and that's great. And so I think the outcome is the outcome that we want as a result of this. And yeah, having that high a number of players vaccinated, uh, I think in a lot of cases, the uh, staff, the you know front office, the coaches, trainers, et cetera, they have to be, they're required to be vaccinated. And so that should allow things to um, proceed a lot more safely and hopefully without interruption this year. I would agree. It's all good. It, I, 
am very happy that the uh, the NHL Players Association and the league took this step and they finalized that there are, you know, in addition to um, health reasons, if you don't, you know, health risks, if you don't get vaccinated, there are consequences to your actions. Like, you know, you're going to have to go through more rigorous testing yep. because this is a serious virus that, you know, with this with the Delta variant that is causing serious damage to healthy to otherwise healthy individuals and the vaccine is the best way to protect yourself from getting you know ending up in the icu on uh on a ventilator like if you like getting you know there are cases you know people i understand that a lot of players and uh people in general are vaccine hesitant because they see these reports of breakthrough cases where people are still getting sick they're still testing positive even though they got vaccinated so they might be wondering what's the point um, the point is that you get vaccinated so that you don't end up in the ICU on a uh, uh, and intubated fighting for your life. The the worst case scenario if you get vaccinated, generally speaking, is that you are home with mild cold symptoms rather than ending up with basically cement in your lungs. I'm very I was very su- pleasantly surprised, um, kind of genuinely shocked that the number of vaccinated NHL players is so high. I really didn't honestly think it would be that high i figured it'd be somewhere around 75 80 percent that that's good news and i hope um as these teams continue to come back to training camp and uh you know they meet with their team physicians meet with team doctors people they know and trust they might be able to you know kind of overcome some of these hesitancies and end up getting vaccinated you know it's the best way that we can have a mostly normal uninterrupted nhl season and I don't really care the reasons people are doing it so long as they do it. But if good of the team is a rationale that they want to get vaccinated, so be it. Like it's, it, it's apparently working in the NFL. Um, I know a lot of players and teams are fully vaccinated. Like I, like I think the Rams just announced my frame of reference for this is always the Los Angeles Rams, but they, they announced that like 52 of their 53 players are vaccinated and the, everyone in the coaching staff and the, uh, training staff is all vaccinated and that's really good news like i i you know regardless of the rationale that players and teams are doing it just do it like that's all i really and it's the safe it's the safest and easiest way for us to get past this and get back to normal as quickly as possible yeah i mean and you saw it you know with uh, cam newton you know getting cut by the new england patriots and it was in part because he was not vaccinated And, and again it's not just because he wasn't vaccinated it's that because he was unvaccinated he got covid and he missed a big chunk of training camp. And, you know, in all sports, uh, I like the phrase that the most important ability is availability. Um, and if you can't, if you can't be there to practice, you can't be there to play, then you're not helping the team. And at some point it's just not worth keeping you around if you're not able to participate. Um, and so that's why, you know, if you get vaccinated, there's a better chance that you're going to be able to participate. One, you're not going to get seriously ill, most likely. Uh, two, you know, if you have a close contact, the quarantine period is shorter. So you're just, you know, and you're able to make all the road trips, you're able to do all that sort of thing. So the big thing is just do what you can to be available there to play for your team. Right. Like I, I recently, I was a close contact recently. I, I was close contact. I was exposed, but I'm fully vaccinated. So a couple weeks. So after a few days went by, I quarantined, I worked from home, never had any symptoms, went and got my, went and got my PCR test, tested negative, And I was good to go back to life as normal because, but I, you know, but I was vaccinated, never had symptoms and I was all, it was all good to go. So I, 
feel like you know you you stole the words literally right out of my mouth the most important ability in sports is availability it's getting vaccinated and being able to be around your team and having you know being able you you know you see we heard all these reports from like the bubble and last year that all these guys are were bummed out on like road trips they couldn't go out they couldn't do anything they couldn't hang out with their buddies in hotel rooms there's a real simple solution to being able to do that this year guys and it's nice, free, and the side effects are minimal to none. It's real simple here. The NHL and NHLPA also announced an agreement with the International Ice Hockey Federation that ultimately means a break in the upcoming season for participation for NHL players to participate in the Beijing Olympics. So there is a possibility of future withdrawal in case of COVID-related scenario, but it looks like the NHL players will be playing in the Olympics. So are you guys excited about what that means? If they actually go, I'm excited. Um, there is there is an all important opt out clause in that in that agreement that they that they can back out. But you know, we'll 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 be optimistic and say they go. Yeah, I'm really excited to see them go. Uh, provided it's actually you know I can find it on the NBC Sports. Uh, page or on Peacock <laughs> or whatever because this summer's Olympics were a disaster but it's but I'm excited to go uh, I'm excited you know I like seeing the Olympics I love watching Olympic hockey I think uh, in my personal opinion the Olympic sized ice should be the regulation NHL sized ice I think the game is better I think it just flows better I like and I and I'm really excited to be able to cheer on you know some blue jackets in the Olympics you know you obviously you could, you'd have guys like Elvis who would go um, you'd have uh, Zach Wierenski who would go. It'd be really exciting to just see see the Olympics that we have that I haven't seen really since like it's been what an eight year hiatus at this point. So it'd be really exciting to go. I, it's yeah. been like I was in college since the Olympic since the NHL players were in the Olympics. I I'm really looking forward to that. weren't they there in what was it? Was it that long ago? Yeah, 2014 was the last time that the NHLers were were in the Olympics. Yeah, I was I was two years out of college. Like the the last time that we saw true best on best international hockey would have been the World Cup in uh, summer of 2016. Um, and even then, you had the gimmick of you know Team North America that was taking some of the best young players away from the U.S. and Canada. So Team North America um, you know, ruled. That wasn't a gimmick. It, it was, I, it, was I mean, it was a it, gimmick, but it ruled. Exactly. No, it was it was enjoyable, but at the same time, it also made Team USA much worse because there were a lot of great young American players. Um, and so, yeah, we, we haven't really gotten a chance yet to see like Austin Matthews lead Team USA in a major international competition, you know, and that's going to be really exciting to see. I, I think this is, you know, for the first time in a long time, you've got a Team USA that can, you know, really match up well against Canada, you know, if they pick the right lineup for it. Um, although Team Canada also still looks like just ridiculously good team. You have like... We, we are breaking news on the Canon cast here. Guys, uh, the nation of Canada, good at hockey. A little bit, yeah. I mean, I, I saw I saw a projection. It had, um, you know, Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand on the third line of Canada. I mean, that's just... It's just bonkers. But I think, you know, uh, defensively and in goal... Um, the U.S. can match up with them, and and I'm excited for some of the the smaller countries that are in it. Um, they just had the qualifiers recently, and uh, Denmark got into the Olympics for the first time in seventy some years. Um, and Bjorkstrand was was a part of that qualifying tournament, so 
you know, he'll get to go over and play there and, and that'll be fun for him. Uh, yeah, Latvia made it. Uh, Elvis didn't play in the qualifiers, obviously, because of his family uh, situation here with the newborn, but presumably he'll play for them in the Olympics. And I think he could uh, probably steal some games for them in goal, which would be really exciting. Um, yeah, I, I would hope that Wierenski would make it for Team USA. It sounds like there's some I've seen some projections that left him off, which I disagree with, but uh, I think uh, he certainly has a case, and, and he'll he'll be able to play his way into it. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens here over the first few months of the seasons. Uh, you know, Patrick Laine, you know, I don't see Finland leaving him off, but obviously he has something to prove there. But uh, yeah, it's always fun to see the Blue Jackets represent for the international teams. I know when the Jackets were bad for a while, there at least you could have. Rick Nash, you know, on the top line for Team Canada doing well, and that was exciting. And uh, it was, you know, interesting watching Team USA play against Bobrovsky in 2014, you know, and kind of had torn loyalties there. Do you, do you root for Team USA? Do you root for Bob? You know, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, but just get, getting to see the, the best players in, in this kind of all star environment, but with stakes that actually matter, unlike the, the all-star game uh it's really exciting so I, I hope that it comes off i i do have you know concerns about you know what the covid situation and how that could impact it i have concerns about china hosting the olympic games in general because of their human rights abuses and th- situations like that but uh that, that being said it's great sports and i'm always up for watching great sports rest or rust for nhl teams coming out of that olympic pause mm, that's a good question uh, I think based on when it happens in the season, I think the rest is going to be a good thing. I think that's going to be right at the time guys will have played four months of hockey and can take that time to rest up. I think that's going to be really, really good for a lot of players. Yeah, especially teams that don't send a lot of guys. Like I don't think Columbus will, so we'll probably have a lot of guys rested who can who would probably need that two week break. Yeah, so. Yeah. I'm wondering if, like, will the AHL still be playing then? So there's a good chance we could t- have some of our young guys that can continue playing that month in Cleveland, which would be a good thing, I, w- I would think. I would, ass- I would assume the AHL pl- still plays. I guess I don't I haven't looked at the AHL calendar. But, yeah, if, if we can send some guys like, I don't know, Liam Foody and, I don't know, some, some other players who are still on that developmental track who can – you know, go down to the AHL while the NHL is on pause, and then yeah, we could then that could be a really beneficial development for those guys. And, and they wouldn't be missing any NHL games or whatever. You know, they just be continuing to play and and not be rusty. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over two million vehicles and fifty thousand more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. 
there's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles. And it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so we had some news that doesn't happen very often. The Montreal Canadiens did not match the offer sheet by the Carolina Hurricanes for Yasperi Kotkanemi. As Kotkanemi is now a hurricane, it's the first successful offer sheet since Dustin Penner to Edmonton in 07. So what were, your, what were you guys thinking about with that? Uh, were you surprised by Carolina's bold move there? And Montreal is like, yeah, we're not, we're not going to touch this. This, this story was fantastic. This is such an entertaining situation that just doesn't happen that often in the NHL. There's rarely these kind of big blockbuster moves, and um, there's just a lot of drama involved. And um, as an object, like as a neutral observer, like I, I loved it. I it, it, it totally came out of surprise last weekend when they announced the offer sheet, and it was great hearing the discussion all week about oh, you know, should they match? Should they not match? And for the record, I'm I'm on board with what Montreal did. Um, I thought that. You know, six million dollars for that player is way too much at this point, and it just didn't fit within Montreal's cap situation. And then, you know, they took the two draft picks as compensation and immediately flipped one of them to Arizona for Christian Dvorak, um, who I think is probably a better player, at least in the short term, than Kakanemi. Um, signed for a more reasonable contract, but I, you know, I like. I like seeing more offer sheets. I think it is a tool that teams don't use enough. And I think it's better for players that there are more offer sheets. I like that Carolina went hard at it. Um, Too often we see offer sheets that are too easy to match. Um, You know, like when Montreal offer sheeted Sebastian Ajo, they really did Carolina a favor because it was a very reasonable deal is a fair deal for the player and one that Carolina would obviously match. But, you know, this one, it made Montreal think twice, you know, and which is, I think, a, a good thing. It's the way it's supposed to work. Um, now, I don't like the move for Carolina because, um, you know, I think he's a player with upside, certainly. So I understand the, the gamble that they're making. It's just not a gamble that I would make because, that's just a lot of money this year for a player that might not be worth it. Um, and I saw today they had a press conference. They announced that he's likely going to be playing wing rather than center, at least to start. And so, you know, I understand paying a premium for a young center, but if you're paying him $6 million to be, what, like a third-line left winger, ooh, that seems like an overpay. And they gave up two draft picks for it. Um, you know, they better hope that he works out and that he signs a long-term extension that had you know, has a lower cap hit, which, you know, rarely happens, but I can see it happening in this case. Yeah, it's been a weird offseason for Carolina. I really don't like most of the moves that they're making. I was amused by all of the stuff they did on social media. They like they changed their bio to be in French and they released a statement that matched what Bergevin had said about Aho two years ago. Um, and it was all very entertaining. It was also very childish and immature uh, and something that a organization should probably be above doing. But, you know, so uh, Elliot Freeman made a great point that whatever you think about Carolina, whether you liked them or disliked them, this would just support your position. (laughs) 
You yeah. either make, make them like them more or hate them more. Yeah, this is where I get to play devil's advocate because I absolutely hated it. Um, I thought, I, I okay, let me rephrase. I liked the offer sheet because we need more of those. Offer sheets are good and fun, and the NHL needs to do more of that. I thought the way Carolina went about it was extremely stupid and extremely try-hard, including the little $20 signing bonus where they were like, oh, that wasn't personal, that wasn't a shot at Montreal, blah, blah, blah. It's an extremely a, a shot. If you're gonna if you're gonna be a try hard stupid organization, own your own what you're doing. Don't just say, Oh, we just did that just because it wasn't anything intentional. I I, I for one I personally think the Carolina Hurricane shtick has worn extremely old. I'm extremely sick of it. I think they markedly made their team worse this season, including by uh, doing this move for all the reasons you just laid out, PD. I think they way overpaid for Kotkaniemi. I don't think he's worth what they're paying him. I don't think he's worth the role that they're playing for. They gave away, if you wanted to have a winger they gave away a they lost a better one in free agency in warren fogel for quite literally nothing they lost their best defenseman on the roster in dougie yeah. hamilton for quite literally nothing and this is a team i'm supposed to think is cheeky and fun and is going to they, they basically just dismantled a team that won their division a division that included tampa bay for practically no reason other than strictly money and then they went out and overpaid Kotkin the Emmy to seem petty to Montreal, like, okay, Montre- Montreal probably wasn't making the playoffs in that division this season anyway, with Tampa, Boston, Toronto, and Florida in there. So, like, Montreal is probably a-okay with getting out from under that contract, not having to pay Cock and the Emmy, and then just kind of rebuilding on the fly here and getting some extra picks and trading, and they turn those into probably a better player in Christian Dvorak. Like I, I think Montreal handled this quite well. And the Carolina hurricanes continue to have the single most baffling off season in the NHL. And frankly, I hope it kind of implodes on them and they just kind of be quiet and go away for a little bit. So Carolina's living up to their bunch of jerks mantra. Yeah. They're taking the bunch of jerks thing very literally. Um, and I don't even know if it's jerks. It's just try hard. I think it's just try hard. This is a team that, should have been on the short list of Stanley Cup contenders coming into this season based on what they did last year. I mean, they were almost won the president's trophy. And yet I don't I don't think they got better. I think they got worse in goal. I think they got worse on defense. Lost and yeah, yeah. I mean so that's yeah, they and they signed a locker room cancer in Tony D'Angelo, who is, you know, good offensively, but he's does he's horrible defensively. And he's a horrible uh, it's, person. Yeah. A horrible person, yeah. I, that could easily implode. Um, and they added Ethan Bear. I thought that was a, that was a nice pickup for the defense. But other than that, man, I, I I think they're still a playoff team. I just think that they they had a shot to take a step forward, and they didn't do that. We'll wrap up with top twenty five, under twenty five. We'll go over some of the guys that we covered over the last week or so. We'll start with Emil Bemstrom. Can he become a consistent player? Get that shot going, PD. Yeah, that's a big question coming into the season, and I, I don't know. I don't know if I have the confidence in him to do that. I'm rooting for him to do that because I still think that he can have a special shot. I I want to see him be deployed differently than he was uh, over the last couple of years. Um, you know, he has gotten better at being a defensive player. Um, his his underlying stats are really quite strong 
they're surprisingly strong based on watching him. But um, I, I want to see him be put into positions where he can use that shot, put him with line mates that can set him up, just do something in the scheme to be more offensively creative that can set him up, get him a lot of power play minutes, obviously. But yeah, this is, I, I think, a very important season for him to try to find some offensive consistency because we have not yet seen that to this point. Can Bemstrom get it together is uh, kind of the entire question for him. I think this is kind of like his put up or shut up season. Like he's going to get chances this year. Uh, he's going to have chances not playing under torts. You know, hopefully he can play through some. He's going to have a chance to play through mistakes. I th- hope this think and hope this season. But if he doesn't put it together this year, I'm kind of fine with cutting bait with him. I'm, you know. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's last year of his ELC, so yeah, it would be an easy chance for the team to decide if he's not if he's not working out, then they just you know non-tender him and, and move on. Yeah, um, pull the ripcord. Yeah, and, and and that's fine. It's not all not all prospects work out. Sometimes it's just, sometimes guys aren't cut out for the NHL. It happens. Kirill Marchenko seeds. He brings a lot to the table that the Jackets could use offensively. Now this is a guy I'm excited about. This this dude yeah. I can't, this dude I can't wait. He's on the last year of his deal over in Russia. He, the Columbus Blue Jackets can bring him over after the KHL season ends, and I am super hopeful they can. And I'm super excited if they if they do get him over. He uh, he is going to be a top six winger on this team, and I cannot wait to have him here. He's he's kind of we've kind of had that in the back of the mind since so we drafted him in the second round and. I think 2018, but like last year, he, uh, he scored 15 goals, had 28 points in 41 games, uh, had 14, uh, or had four points in 14 games in the KHL playoffs, still continuing to develop over there. He was born in 2000. So it's not like he's, you know, ancient, but he's right there. He's right there getting to the point where he should be on, be ready to break out in a real way. And I think from all the, from everything I read doing the, uh, top 25 under 25 it sounds like he's like really poised for that breakout season and then if he breaks out and we can get him over here i'm not saying he'll be kirill kaprizov but it'd be nice if we could get like a poor man's version of that yeah or or yeah or like a a really uh, a larger but discount version of artemi Pandarin or something like that um yeah, yeah he's, he's he's super high skilled you know his production last year may have been suppressed a little bit he had a covid diagnosis midseason that kept him out for a little bit but you know at every level through juniors and minors when he's been playing against players like his own age he's dominated um and you know he's shown improvement playing against adults in the khl um i hope he puts up another big year this year uh yeah he could come we could see him here in columbus or cleveland as soon as this spring depending on when his team's season ends i don't know if you guys saw just within the last day or two, he scored a shootout goal that was gorgeous. Did you guys see that on Twitter? Yes. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, the guy guys got guys got great hands, great shot. He's got good size for a winger as well, which that gives me, I think a better chance that he can you know hack it in the NHL. That he's not undersized. He's he's a big dude, great shot. You know, yeah. There's just not you know we've not had a lot of players in the pipeline that have been elite talents. Um, and I think he is one of them. I think he was a real gem to get in the second round a few years back. So, uh, yeah, this is a player I'm I'm super, super optimistic about. Goaltender Danielle Tarasov, a uh, goaltender we've been hearing about in the wings. So what do you guys think about him? Because obviously they're still going to have Corpusalo and Merslikins together again this season. But 
what what do you think about Tarasov, PD? Yeah, well, I, I'm curious to see what he does in his in a, in a full season in North America. Um, hope he gets a lot of work down in Cleveland, you know. And I think he's going to be in the mix in Columbus sooner rather than later. Um, you know, I think there could be a chance that they still trade one of the goalies this season. You know, maybe some some goalie gets hurt somewhere and the team's willing to pay up for a goalie, hopefully Corpusala rather than Merzlikens. Because I would still like to keep Merzlikens around for a few more seasons, but um, I could see Tarasov, though, being the long-term option. You know, I could think we could go through several years of having a duo kind of like Rene and Saros in Nashville, you know, and eventually hand off from Merzlikens to Tarasov. Um, but again, Tarasov's another guy that I, I feel very good about long-term. Um, I think he might be the long-term answer and goal for us, um, you know, still very young for goalies. Goalies, you know, peak a lot later, uh, and he's still pretty young. Um, but I'm I'm curious to to see his game continue to develop. And uh, you know, depending on injury situations, I think we will see him play in Columbus this year. Certainly, I'm excited for him. Uh, I th- I think he's going to have a big year, big chance to develop in Cleveland, and uh, hopefully, he can push the goaltenders up here and. Uh, that's really all I have to say about that. I have no clue how goaltending develops. It's all voodoo to me. So it is I hope it, yeah. uh, I, I hope it, I hope it works out and he booms. Yeah. I, I, the goaltending has been a strength for Columbus for a while and the blue line. So Jake Bean, that's the next guy we're going to talk about. He looks to impact the blue line, the former hurricane we were just talking about. So I like the Jake Bean pickup for Columbus. What about you seeds? I like the Jake Bean pickup. I'm uh, obviously a pretty defensively focused person. I've always enjoyed. Uh, I've always enjoyed def- uh, the defenseman of uh, the Blue Jackets. Enjoyed that. Uh, so I think he's going to. Uh, I think he's going to play well here. Uh, he'll get a little more time, a little more run than he was going to in Carolina, um, or than he ever did. I guess. Uh, probably, I would guess he's going to start on the second pairing with Vladislav Gavrikov. It just kind of makes sense, I guess. I don't know. Um, but we'll, but he'll get his chances, you know, he'll play up and down the lineup. We'll see what happens. And, uh, as a, you know, as a, on a flyer for a second round pick, he's a young guy. Can't hurt. We're, we're kind of turning over the, uh, the defensive core from what it was to what it will hopefully be in the future. So yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a defensive core that, that looks a lot different it seems like the team is focused on uh, defensemen with a lot of offensive skill. Obviously that's Wierenski's uh, style of play. Um, but both Jake Bean and Adam Boquist are offensive first young defensemen. Um, and it's exciting to have that. I, I think that will, you know, if you're wondering how the Jackets offense is going to get better, I think one answer is the blue line is going to contribute a lot more to the offense. Also um, how the power play and- gets fixed. Yeah, and and Jake Bean was you know quarterbacking the second power play unit for Carolina even into the playoffs, and that's you know a good power play on a good team. Um, now Carolina fans aren't missing him, which is interesting, um, but I think it's a case where his development timeline just didn't fit with where the Hurricanes are at um, because he's now he's definitely NHL worthy, but he's still developing as an NHL player. But the Hurricanes are a team that's competing now. And so they can't afford to, to bring him along and they can't afford his mistakes necessarily, which he's going to make as a young player. So I think it for them, they were looking maybe for more experienced players. And whereas Columbus is a team that is in development mode now, 
So he totally fits with what we're doing. And the team off, you know, he was a restricted free agent. So the team offered him a three-year deal was making 2.3 million a year. You know, that's pretty hefty raise for a player that has only had one season in the NHL. Um, but obviously the Jack, that's a sign that jackets think highly of him and what he can become. Um, he played very well at the AHL level level. He was the defenseman of the year there, uh, season before last uh he won a calder cup there with their affiliate so um you know he's got he's got a good track record at the lower levels and um i'm excited to see what he can continue to grow at as as the nhl level and then the last guy alexander texier so he's trying to stick and be more of a constant force or offensive force as well what do you think about him this season and going forward pd well, I, I think he was too high on the list, to be honest with you. I think I only had him at 14 on my list. Um, you know, I, I, I like him. I just think there are a lot a lot more players now in the pipeline that are that have more upside than he does at this point. I think if you're thinking like, oh, this guy can be in the mix for, you know, the, the top six center, like, I, I don't think that that's his ceiling anymore. Um, but I think that he can still be a useful role player for the team and there's something to be said for that. You know, I think that, uh, you know, cause he, he has some skill. Um, I think he, he played surprisingly well on the penalty kill in the back half of last season. So I think he's going to be relied on to fill that role again this year, along with Eric Robinson. Um, so if you have him as a third line center, that can play a 200 foot game um, and put up 30 plus points a season. Like that's, that's good. That's, that's useful. Players need depth guys like that. And I think that he can fill that role. I just don't think he's going to be a guy to carry the team, but based on the moves they've made, they don't need him to be that guy for his development to be successful. I think it's okay for him to be, a third line role player. Um, but I, I'm looking for, I need, he needs to take some steps forward this season, especially at the center position, get better at faceoffs, get better defensively at five on five, be more consistent offensively. You know, he had that great January. He was putting up a lot of points and then didn't score a goal for the rest of the season after that. You know, that's not, that's not good. He needs to do a little bit more in that regard. But at the same time, he's still a really young guy. He still played only what eighty-seven regular season games in the NHL or something like that, like because of you know COVID shutdowns and injuries and things like that. So hopefully, getting into a, a more normal season finally will be good for him. And so I, I want to see some development from him, but I don't expect greatness from him at this point. Uh, I hope he hit the weight room this off season. Mm-hmm. Dude needs to put on some size if he's going to stick at the NHL level in my book. Yeah, I don't expect much from him. I think on a on a good team, he's you know bottom six. I don't even think he's a. I don't even know if he's a center in the NHL at his peak. I think he might be just a winger, bottom six winger. But you know, teams do need those guys. But he he needs to. He kind of like Emil Bemstrom needs to kind of show it, show something, and put it together. Like you said, he was good. On, he was strong on the penalty kill last year, but you know he's. He's a smaller guy, very slight of frame with kind of an injury history. And he needs to show some durability and he needs to show some strength and that he's able to bang and grind away for an 82 game season. And it's, I get that it's hardened, but he, I, I, I agree that he was overrated on this list. I thought he would, I 
do I would not have had him that high. It's kind of like a, he needs to put some work into his development this year, put some uh, show some real grit and grind in his game, and show that he can stay healthy and play a good chunk of the season. Yeah, hopefully the injuries for the Blue Jackets are better across the board this year. But speaking of injuries, just wanted to mention Nathan Gerby yeah. is going to be out four to six months with that torn labrum. Uh, he's getting that repaired in his left hip. So he's out for most of the season, if not the entire season. So sounds painful. Hopefully he gets well quick. But yeah, just another potential loss, at least for Cleveland, at least. Yeah, for sure. That And, that, and, and Gerby is just he seems like one of the genuine good guys in the game and you know he's he's had a hard career a lot of ups and downs and uh so you hate to see a setback like this especially you know in the late stage of his career you don't know how many seasons are left and and it's hard to come back from a uh, from an injury like that I and mean, that's a that's a major surgery on a uh, an important joint and i think he's maybe had some hip issues before i think he's missed some times with that so um yeah that's a sh- shame to see but uh you know it opens up opportunities for some other younger players to take his his spot, whether that's in Columbus or Cleveland. And it also removes the temptation for the team to call him up as a safety blanket. Let, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> let kids play through mistakes. It's my mantra yeah. for the year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in this season ahead, we really just need to see kids develop. And I don't think it's going to be like towards with Larson. Like if a young player messes yeah. up, I don't think we're just going to see him stable to the bench because otherwise they're never going to develop. You know, a point that Jody Shelley brought up last week that I thought was very good is is that the the coaches that we have now are coaches that were hired with a, with an eye towards development. You know, um, like I, I you know I, was, I submitted the question asking about you know is it a problem they don't have this like NHL head coaching experience, but the fact that they all came from so much time in the AHL, I think is a good sign for us with a young team because it's we have a we're going to be a very young team again and these guys need to be coached and they need to be developed and and that's going to be the goal of the season i think more so than you know any kind of extended winning streak or anything it's just about getting better on an individual basis and and coming together as a team uh, in, in the long run yeah the win the wins to me this year don't so much matter as can i see from from game 1 to game 82 can i see tangible development from the kids who are going to be around for a long time. Can I see Adam Boquist take steps? Can I see Jake Bean take steps? Can I see Zach Wierenski step into that number one defensive role and actually excel? Can we see something from Patrick Line resembling consistency this year and maybe more of a I'm not, I won't even ask for a 200-foot game. Can I see a 150-foot game from Patrick Line? <laughs> if, if, if we can see those things and maybe find someone else on this roster who can play center, I'll consider this season a win. Exactly. And I and I think if those things happen, that the wins will come, and I think this team might end up being more successful than people expect. Again, not necessarily like playoff team, but like a team that night to night is in games. You know, they're not getting just blown off the ice. That's what I'm hoping. Right? For. They won't. They won't be. You know, if the, if all those things come to pass, they won't be that Detroit Red Wings team that was god awful for a season. You know, <laughs> right. they'll they'll be exactly. they'll, they'll yeah. be competitive and maybe steal some games they shouldn't. And now, will they beat Tampa yeah. on a night-to-night basis? Maybe, but will they? You know, could they come? <laughs> could they come out and you know throw the fear of God into the Toronto Maple Leafs on a given Probably. night? Probably, yeah. If they, if all those things come to pass, yeah, yeah, and that'd be fun. I think that'd be a successful season and something to build on with these kids going forward. That's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Let's see some developmental wins. 
Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Be sure to check us out at CBJ Cannon on Twitter and Facebook at JacketsCannon.com as we get more content up. And PD and Seeds, training camp is a mere days away. I don't know how many days. Weeks away. It's almost here. Hockey season is almost here. So uh, looking forward to that. And we will see you all next week. Subscribe to the Cannon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating, and as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to JacketsCannon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us. You follow us on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howling Moons. Check out AngelaPerley.com for more music and show dates.